Welcome to the Way of the Bible podcast, inspiring and empowering Christians of all measures of faith to simply believe God and follow Jesus. Join in with our host, Bible teacher and guide, Dr. Philip Zimmerman, as he explores the paths through Scripture that lead to life in the will of God, being joyful always, praying continually, and being thankful in all circumstances, simply by believing God and following Jesus. And now, Dr. Z. Welcome again. This is Dr. Philip Zimmerman and Dr. Z. (laughs) You've joined me for episode number 131 of Way of the Bible podcast. So glad to have you with me today. (laughs) This is our third of eight episodes in our 17th mini-series entitled The Man, Jesus Christ. On this episode, we're going to look at what the scriptures reveal about Jesus from his birth until he started his ministry. And we'll see there is not much in volume of text, but what is there is rich in content. The title of this episode is Babe to Son of Man. As we covered on our last episode, Jesus was incarnated in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. His birth was prophesied by the angel Gabriel, who visited Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. Gabriel had prophesied to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. And he, that's Zechariah's son-to-be, that'd be John, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, shortly after John the Baptist was born, Zechariah prophesied over his son at his circumcision ceremony. And this came in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 to 77. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. As a reminder of what we're doing on this and many, many series to come in the future is to look more closely, to go more slowly, and examine more fully the life and ministry of Jesus Christ our Lord. How can we follow one we do not know? Knowing and knowledge is gained by seeing in the Gospels how Jesus did, what he did, where he did, when he did, why he did, and with who he did all the things recorded for us. I will present gospel scriptures for us to consider on this episode with little running commentary. I encourage you to purposely carve out time regularly, that'd be daily or weekly, monthly at least, to intentionally spend time with God in prayer, meditation, and fellowship, and discuss with him one or more of the texts that you hear today. Allow Jesus to be your teacher through the Holy Spirit given to you for just that purpose. So our teacher is God. Our teacher is Jesus Christ himself through his Holy Spirit, who he delivered unto mankind on the day of Pentecost for just that purpose. As we read, pray over, and meditate on the gospel scriptures, we want to be having a running conversation with our Father in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. We want to allow our mental imagery in all five senses to experience the accounts with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. In our meditations, let the Spirit teach us what we need to know about Jesus for our faith journey ahead. 
Then in fellowship, ask our Father and Jesus Christ what you're curious about and give them time and room to respond as surely they will in the Holy Spirit. It's just absolutely phenomenal when you do this. And I just encourage everyone that's listening to this, do this. I, I, I tried it. I didn't know what to think, and it, it's been it's been mind-blowing to me. Life-changing, uh, uh, walk-altering, you know, whatever you want to say, it has been that to me. With all that as a brief introduction, let's get started. We last left off with the infant Jesus, perhaps just over a month old, being recognized, blessed, and prophesied over in the temple area by Simeon and Anna. Today, we're going to see wise men come in from the east, Joseph and family flee to Egypt and back, and Jesus asking hard questions in the temple. The account of the wise men from the east is given in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Now, before we read the text, a little background on these wise men, I think, is appropriate. Let's first get out of our mind three strange-looking characters riding in on camels looking for a missing person. With that reset, let's think of Daniel the prophet, who served at the highest level under five Gentile kings. He served under Nebuchadnezzar, evil Murdoch, and Belshazzar of Babylon, and Darius and Cyrus of the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 48, we find King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon appointing Daniel the chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. So he was over all the wise men of Babylon, uh, Daniel was. And in Daniel 4, 9, King Nebuchadnezzar refers to Daniel as the chief of the magicians. So we have him being appointed as over the wise men, and now he's chief of the magicians. And then the queen of Babylon says of Daniel in Daniel chapter 5, verses 11 to 12, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now, when you read the book of Daniel, you'll see God revealing to Daniel, through dreams, visions, and angelic visitations, the future of Israel under Gentile rule. Gentile rule would end with the coming of the Son of Man from heaven, who would defeat a final Gentile king who rules the world and makes bold boasts against God while at the same time warring with the saints. The Son of Man not only defeats this king, but rules over Israel and all the kingdoms on the earth, in a kingdom with no end. It is thought by many scholars that Daniel was given a revelation from God about the star mentioned in the account we are about to read. And it is suspected that Daniel gave specific instructions regarding this revelation that were to be passed down within the core of astrologers or the wise men. What we see 400-plus years later is the response to the fulfillment of that revelation by remnant Babylonian and or Medo-Persian wise men and astrologers. The visitors to King Herod were not a ragtag bunch of dusty, star-struck travelers. It was more likely a large military procession with a lot of pomp and circumstance deserving of wise men and astrologers who were well known for announcing and anointing kings in the region. The wise men may have been many, not just three, and based upon the narrative we're about to read, Herod knew who these guys were. 
He gave them an audience, right? And he responded to their request. He knew what they did. They were global kingmakers. And he was very surprised why they'd come to see him. He was intimidated by these visitors, being very kind to them after what they had said. And he tried to deceive them, as you will see in the narrative. Now imagine being one of the astrologers in Babylon that recognized the star as appearing in the sky, just as Daniel had prophesied. How often they may have wondered if they'd be the first to see it. Then when considering how many before them had looked in eager expectation only to be disappointed and die before the star appeared. Would they too be disappointed and die without seeing what Daniel had promised was coming? A star that pointed to the birth of a baby born king sent by God in heaven to establish and rule heaven's kingdom on earth. And of this kingdom, there will be no end. Now imagine his second take at seeing the star. It has to be the one. I've never seen it before. It's not on any of our star charts. It's exactly where Daniel said it would be. Could it be that God has come as Daniel told our fathers? I must tell others. We must go and see. He who was born king of Israel, ruler of the world, and worship him and bring him gifts. And now we see him running up and down the hallways of his order, yelling, the star, the star, the star. And also imagine other astrologers of false religions wondering at the foreign star in the sky. It only remained there for a while and then was gone. For them, it was an anomaly that remained unexplained until they heard from Babylon. Now to blow your mind, listen, this comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 29. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now think about this as you meditate on what we are about to read. Did God reveal to the priests of Israel or keepers of the temple to watch for a star? <laughs> Do you see anywhere in prophecy where it tells them to watch for a star? No. Who did God assign to watch for this star? But remnant astrologers and our wise men of the former Babylonian and Medo-Persian empires still existing under Roman authority. God had the remnant of perhaps the most wicked of wicked empires, that'd be Babylon, announced the arrival of the king of all kings of heaven and earth. This king who has come is ruler of all kingdoms on earth. To him and only him will all knees in heaven and on earth bow before him and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And all this to the glory of God our Father. And when you go and read the book of Daniel and how, how Nebuchadnezzar was impacted by God, you can see Nebuchadnezzar actually approving this if it had happened in his lifetime, if this revelation had happened in this lifetime. We haven't even read the passage, and I'm already falling down inside, worshiping he who is worthy. It comes out of Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, and verses 12 to 13. This is when the Lamb enters and is about to take the scroll. 
Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Verses 12 and 13. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And with all that, let's go to our first text. And I hope that you do go and pray, meditate, and fellowship during quiet time with God on the texts we are about to read. First one comes out of Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem at Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I encourage you in your meditation to place yourself in one of the wise men who bows before the infant Jesus and worships. And remember 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven that at one time you were of the foolish and weak in the world, who God is now using to shame the wise and the strong. Jeremiah 9:23-24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Now, do you get all of that? That God used the Babylonians to recognize that the star was in the sky. And now God has chosen the foolish things in the world to shame the wise, and he's chosen the weak things in the world to shame the strong. (laughs) The foolish and the weak are us, (laughs) believers. Many portray as a fairy tale event that which we've just read and that which hopefully you're going to meditate upon regarding the appearance of the wise men. Rather than fairy tale, in reality, the account is a nightmare just beginning as we will soon see. Now, I encourage you to take a moment and look up Herod the Great, who was ruling over Jerusalem at this time. While he modernized the Temple Mount to appease the Jews, he was not their friend, nor really a friend to anyone, especially his family. 
He was a ruthless sociopath who killed his own brothers and cousins and anyone else in the vicinity who could supplant him as king. Tyrannical would be a good word to describe how he ruled over the people. He was compliant to and complicit with the demands of the Romans who gave him his power. Now imagine a large entourage accompanying the wise men, you can say kingmakers for that matter, from Babylon. They were allowed by the Romans to see Herod. you got to get that first. Everyone was ruled by Rome at this time. So to suppose this entourage traveling Roman roads was not first vetted by high Roman authorities is ludicrous. Of course they were. They had to get permission to be doing this. If you could see the past, I wouldn't be surprised to see Roman soldiers clearing the way along the roads toward Jerusalem, much like police escorts clear traffic when wanting to move political elites from point A to point B. This is a parade that showed up at Herod's front door. That's why it says that Herod was trouble in all Jerusalem with him. I mean, why would all Jerusalem be troubled with Herod unless this some large entourage had arrived? <laughs> led by the Romans. These guys were from Babylon. What are they doing here? And what did the wise men request? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. That comes out of Matthew 2, verse 2. There are now in Herod's midst wise men approved by Rome, brought to his door, who are there to worship one who has been born king of the Jews. This is where you'd see steam flying out of Herod's ears if he were a cartoon character. In the next passage, we'll see how God prepares for what's coming and protects Jesus and his family. We'll also notice who God did not protect from the wrath of Herod, and it's just a difficult teaching. That wrath was not overlooked in the prophetic texts, nor were the travels of Joseph and his family. And bring that forward to today at this moment of the listening to my voice on this podcast. God has seen you hearing this podcast where you're sitting or standing or lying at this moment since before he created anything. And now that he has your attention, imagine the joy in his heart seeing you looking back in time to him who watches over every hair even on your head. And if you don't have goosebumps yet, wait until he calls your name from there. From before when time began, he sees you from there even now. Let us be silent for a moment and listen meditatively for his call. Don't go away. I'll be right back. All right, well, we're back. Now, I understand from the one day that I worked as a radio DJ in college that what we just did was called dead air in a huge taboo in radio. Each moment of airtime is precious and is to be filled with something. Dead air causes people to change the channel and possibly never return. Dead air causes people channel surfing to pass over the station and move on to the next. Dead air was to be avoided at all costs. I got all that and retained all that from a three-minute briefing of what to do when sitting behind the microphone. The briefing was not just for when I'd be speaking, but I had to be attentive at all times to what was going out on the broadcast. Was the music playing? Were the commercials running? Etc., etc. From the time I took the chair to the end of my shift that day, the headphones never came off. I was either speaking or listening or both. I say all that as an example of what God desires, that we all eventually attain to constant contact with God. He never stops singing over us. 
even while singing without skipping a beat. He can enter into deep conversation with us. May we learn to recognize his voice, hear his singing, and hear him call our name. May we learn in the days, weeks, and months to come the blessing and favor given for earnestly seeking him daily who loves us unconditionally and who has a future for us and a hope already prepared, filled, full of good works we are to walk in. All hail King Jesus. Man, oh man. All right, now to the next passage. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 23. And again, there's some disturbing parts in this passage. Now, when they had departed, that'd be the wise men from Mary and Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. In your prayer, meditation, and fellowship with God concerning this passage, don't fail to ask God about his just-in-time notification of and provisions for unplanned life-altering changes, like fleeing to Egypt and moving cautiously back to Nazareth. What did Joseph and Mary do with the precious and valuable gifts given to Jesus by the wise men? Perhaps they helped defray the moving and living expenses while the family was on the run. God prepared for them beforehand to go into Egypt and gave them the provisions that they would need. Now, don't let it go unnoticed or unconsidered that Herod really did kill all the boys two years and under in and around Bethlehem. I am sure that it must have been a big deal and caused a lot of wonder about King Herod. What was he doing killing all of his own citizens? Now, we have no evidence in the gospel it was ever widely known or understood that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Why would anyone assume that when he was called Jesus of Nazareth and not Jesus of Bethlehem? Had Jesus been called Jesus of Bethlehem, perhaps he would have been openly received by the Jews. But because he was assumed to be from Nazareth and not Bethlehem, he was rejected as Messiah with cause, right? Because he wasn't from Bethlehem. But once the Gospels were written and his birthplace revealed, people were likely to remember the killing of the children in Bethlehem. And they'll probably remember this entourage of Babylonian wise men entering Jerusalem and having an audience with Herod. Why would that was Because they were all afraid, as was Herod when those guys arrived. They'll connect the kingmakers with he who was born king of the Jews in Bethlehem. Don't let us miss it. 
On to our next passage, which is very short. This comes out of Luke chapter 2, verses 39 to 40. They returned into Galilee to their own town, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. This and the Matthew passage that we just covered are all we know from the New Testament scripture of the infancy and childhood of Jesus Christ up to the age of 12. Yet this little tells us much. First, that he really was born an infant, right? And that he grew from an infant to a baby, to a crawler, to a toddler, and then to a walker, (laughs) then to a young man, and all the while growing in strength until he became strong. From infancy, Jesus was filled with wisdom. I'm not sure if all wisdom was resident in Jesus from birth, given his divine nature, or if his mind and neurological networks were filled with wisdom as they developed. Either way, Jesus was from birth the smartest and wisest human being ever to walk the face of the earth, and still is today. Yet many refused to believe him, or what was written concerning him, thinking Jesus as a heretic, a lunatic, or a fable. Now, having the favor of God upon you is the best of everything imaginable, provision and protection without pretension. No matter what comes our way, it has passed first through the hands of the Father. We will see more of this in a moment. Now, this leads us to our last passage of this episode. We'll have a short intro and then get right to it. God required in Exodus chapter 23, verse 14 and verse 17, three times in the year you shall keep a feast to me. And then verse 17, Exodus 23, 17, three times in the year shall all males appear before the Lord. The three times they had to appear during the year were feasts. In the three feasts, the Jews throughout all Israel were required to attend were the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover, the Feast of Harvest, and the Feast of the Ingathering. We will see that Joseph and Mary attended the Feast of the Passover in Jerusalem annually. They travel with Jesus and the rest of their family and relatives and friends down to Jerusalem every year to celebrate the Passover. Now, Jerusalem was the highest city in the area. Everyone attending the festivals were going to ascend as they traveled or to go uphill as they traveled. Psalms 120 to 134 are called the Songs of Ascent, as these songs were sung by the Jewish pilgrims making their way up to Jerusalem to attend the great feasts. Jesus and his entire family would have been singing these same songs together as they ascended into the city. These songs speak of the life of every pilgrim and a journey to seek and worship God. As we journey the rest of our lives to grow continually into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, perhaps we too should start to ascend with singing regularly Psalms 120 to 134. Now to our last passage for this episode. It comes out of Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. 
And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, there is much in this passage to pray, meditate, and have fellowship with God about. What was it like to ascend as a group annually to Jerusalem? And what was Jesus doing in the temple for three days that he had all who heard him amazed at his understanding and his answers? Imagine being one of the teachers being asked a question by Jesus. Again, as we pray and meditate and fellowship with God, enter into the stories and just imagine being one of the teachers. Imagine the horror of Mary and Joseph leaving behind and losing not just their firstborn son, but the Messiah. <laughs> you know, they've been entrusted with the care of the Messiah and he's missing. Contemplate with Jesus how he responded, because Jesus responded in submission, right? Why did he do that? And finally, consider how much Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man, as this is all we know about his life from this time in the temple at age 12 to his approaching John the Baptist to be baptized at age 30. This is it. That's all we know. And I mentioned on my last episode my suspicion that John the Baptist and Jesus were both well-known and being watched by the religious elites. Now imagine those watching at the temple, seeing Jesus enter the temple at age 12 and sit at the feet of the teachers. Again, I think he was, I think he was a known person. He was there every year with his parents. And then imagine their curiosity as he's not just there to listen, but to ask the teachers questions. And imagine their fury, the, tr- the teachers' fury and frustration as Jesus likely had them all tongue-tangled and tied over their customs and traditions that were contrary to the purpose and meaning of the law. And imagine being one of the onlookers who was amazed. I'm sure the teachers on the hot seats were not so entertained. I'm thinking even then they were planning their get even with Jesus the next time he returned. But that wasn't likely to occur anytime soon as it's not recorded in the scriptures that he returned to the temple before age 30 after he had been baptized by John. And with that, we end this episode. And as I mentioned at the end of our last episode, I encourage you, if you haven't already, to commit in the near future to start down the path to following the way leading to union with God in the kingdom of God. The way is Jesus. It all begins with prayer, meditations, and fellowship with God through the Gospels to discover who Jesus is so we can know him more fully love him more deeply, and follow him more closely. Our hope and prayer is to be conformed into his likeness in the days ahead and for all eternity. I would love it if you joined with me on the path following Jesus. Message me on my website contact page or email me at drz, that's D-R-Z, at wayofthebible.com and let me know if you'd like to participate in a weekly episode Zoom meeting for discipleship and fellowship where we talk about what scriptures we went over during the episode and what happened while you prayed, meditated, and fellowship with God over the passages. And I'll tell do the same with you. And with that, let me say thank you for listening. Subscribe, follow, rate, and review the show. Show notes and other resources are found on my website, wayofthebible.com. Join me on the path. Write me a note. I'd love to hear from you. And let me end this episode as I end all my episodes by saying simply believe God and follow Jesus. Live as a child of light overflowing with living water and the will of God. Being joyful always, praying continually, and thankful in all circumstances. 
Be blessed, my brothers and sisters. We hope this episode of Way of the Bible has you feeling inspired and empowered to simply believe God and follow Jesus. Remember to search the scriptures to confirm what you've heard today. And join us next episode as we continue to discover together the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden in Christ and be transformed daily by the renewing of your mind. Knowing God's will for you is a life filled with joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. Be blessed.